The PM Growth Experts podcast show is hosted by Darren Hunter and Dennis Youssef from Inspired Growth Training, who work with PM Growth Experts from around the globe. If you're signing up 20 to 30 managements a month, that's great. If not, speak with us. Hi, everyone. Darren Hunter here. And of course, Dennis Youssef, we are Inspired Growth Training. And today we have the lovely Jodie Ford from the Coronas Group. Now, Jodie is the Property Management Director with... Uh, a group of officers, and all together they're managing, well, they're just about to exceed 7,800 managements. Jody, that's huge. Going to hit eight. Yes. yes. Going to hit eight. Thousand. I'm far away now. Yeah, you, you'll get that before the year's out. So before we, we get to your story, Jody, because I really want to bring that out today, there's so much, I think, to be said about that. Um, but I just want to uh, uh, talk about Inspect Real Estate IRE and their online booking system. And I remember back in the day when that phone used to run hot, there were so many offices, had so many problems with it. Um, and IRE just came in with this amazing online booking system that just solved so many problems. But uh, Jody, you're on such a big scale. How does IRE, the online booking system, how does it work for you guys? Look, at, at this point of time, I love to talk about programs that we can't live without. So yeah. I think that's um, what IRE is for us at the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what we find is we just couldn't cope with that level of calls. The amount of um, inquiry that we have every day it would just be an absolute full-time job for many, many people. So the, the problem that they solve there and getting the online booking, being able to manage that whole process is, is unbelievable for the industry. Yep. When, when you look at how much Inspect Real Estate would cost you in comparison to how many staff you would have to employ just to answer the phone, forget about all of the other stuff it does, but yeah. just for the tenant inquiries, that, that's saving you, uh, like for, let's say you had 8,000 doors, crikey, you'd be talking 10 staff. Yeah, easily. Just to answer tenant inquiries, yeah. you know. Uh, that's crazy when you think about it from that point of view. It really is crazy. And I, I think that um, people who solve problems for agents or, or, or programs that solve problems for agents are, are, you know, worth their weight in gold. And the number of staff that we save, and, and not just that, it's a constant distraction. I think when people are, are trying to focus on their work, having that constant distraction or even having that um, happening in a receptionist perspective, it, it just answers so many things. So I'll yeah. say... I remember that first demo I had, it was at a, um, a conference in Melbourne and Andrew was actually at the stand doing the demonstration and he put my phone in and I got that text message that first time and it was a no-brainer. My boss was standing next to me and I said, why haven't we got this yet? <laughs> like, you know, this is like from a BDM's point of view and being able to use that as a tool to win more doors, it yeah. was just brilliant. And um, yeah, I think um, what Inspect Real Estate, Mike and um, Andrew have obviously done for the industry is just next level. Remember that all those times of having to bring people back if a property had been let and doing, you know, obviously bringing those people with a positive call on, hey, we've got something else here, as opposed to ringing and saying, no, sorry, you've missed out on that one. And, and or, it, it just, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Alrighty, guys, let, let's let's move on. Now, um, before we get started, just for our audience, um, this is a uh, based on a video recording. We do have the PM Growth Expert Show. This is what this podcast is. We have it available on iTunes podcast. Plus, also, if you're uh, Dennis, if they're on an Android, um, they can uh, <laughs> they can download it from Podbean as well. Alrighty, moving on now, Jody. Um, you've been with Corona since two thousand and one. You're about to celebrate your eighteenth year anniversary with Cronus. Congratulations! I mean, that's Huge. an amazing feat. But even more, you've got again nearly seven thousand eight hundred managements. Now, the spread of offices is from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland right down to the Gold Coast, over twenty-four offices, and out to. Toowoomba as well. So um, for those people that are outside Australia, let's just say that's a big area to cover. Mm, um, mm. And, uh, you know, I think the name Coronas is very legendary um, for quality as well and, and um, just achieving amazing things. So Dennis, I'm going to hand things over to you. Yeah. Before I jump in a little bit on the, um, with the Coronas and, and the questions, I want to know, like, we're at the beginning of November. We've got two months to get 200 doors. Can we do it, Jody? Can we hit 8,000 before the 1st of January 2020? Can we do it? I'm actually aiming for the end of January, to be honest with you. That's uh, that's my goal. I find okay. that um, things are really busy in that um, that January period. So that that's the plan. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to um, seeing that news spread out across social media, but um, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, you know, that's a lot of doors to get and um, you know, you never know, Jody. It, it could happen, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a big focus at the moment because it, it's, it's very frustrating with the amount of churn that we have in our offices. It's really yeah. uh, incredible when you're talking about having to gain, you know, 1100 managements a month or uh, sorry, a year to, to break even or to get just a, a little bit of growth. Um, it, it is an astronomical amount of, um, of managements that we need to, uh, to deliver on. And, um, and that's just, it's just a yeah. constant focus on working out how we uh, replace that churn and then go about getting the net gain after that. Yeah, it's interesting. And I remember when, um, when I was working for Integrity Real Estate, we hit 400, but it took, oh my goodness, 18 months to get to 500. But we kept on looking at that 500 because it was that, it was that halfway goal for us to get to a thousand doors. And, um, it took so long, but once we cracked the 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, it all came. It just flowed, you know. So yeah. it's interesting. So, okay, 2001 is when you started with Coronas, but when did you start and why did you start in real estate? Uh, well, that's an interesting story. So I, um, I, I've been in real estate now for 35 years. Um, it's, it's been a very long journey and something that I don't think that I will ever not do. Mm -hmm. um, and really, it was something that I stumbled into. So I left school in grade 10 um, and decided that I didn't want to uh, be doing school anymore. I wanted to be earning some money. So um, my father gave me the advice, basically, to, uh, to go out there and, and get a job. And because my report cards had all said Jody spends all of her time, you know, talking all day, he said, well, you better get out there and find something that you can talk all day and you'll do great. So uh, funnily enough, I walked the streets and back then you looked in the paper for any jobs that were around and, and just stumbled across um, a real estate agency. I was looking for a receptionist or a secretarial position and just so happened to be real estate. 
There you go. So you're like one person who can say they've been in real estate all their life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Darren. I mean, you know what? You've been in real estate for longer than I've been alive. (laughs) (laughs) Darren, you you can't say you've been in real estate all your life. You you did insurance. 17 years of age. Yeah, uh, management. Uh, very green. I had an I had an afro that would make the Jackson Five jealous. <laughs> I look back now and I look at those days and I just shake my head and think, you know, what was I thinking? <laughs> well, it's yeah, quite that's funny. About being in real estate from when I was fifteen. When my daughter turned fifteen, oh, quite a few years ago now, um, I just used to look at her and think, wow, you know, that's the age that I was when I started, and you know. <laughs> How did I manage it back then? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So what, what, yeah. what was your buzz in real estate when you first started? Like what, what was it that kept you in the game? Was it the people? Yeah, look, I, I think um, I used to get an immense amount of satisfaction from helping people in their life. So I used to actually really think and be in the moment when we were finding somebody a home and it used to make me really proud and happy that I could find a, a home for someone. Mm. And I did mm. a lot of leasing, obviously, in the early days and it just made me feel really good. And now it's pretty much the same. It's still about the people and about the families. And even though I'm not so hands-on with actually dealing directly with the families now, it's still about the people but it's about our people and getting their lives better and getting them into their own home and and um and for whatever reason the way I'm built that just that just makes me feel good yeah I I think most of the people that I meet that are doing really successful in real estate are the people that want to help people I must say I mean Jodie Stanton she's a prime example of that too you know just she just enjoys helping people or making the industry better or whatever the case, you know. Um, So I I think it's a really important attribute. So, Jodie, obviously you're 15. You know, you're walking into the office for the very first time, um, you know, and just as you're about to open that office door for the first time, you get a tap on the shoulder, you look over your left shoulder, and that's you. It's you today standing in front of you 15 years of age. What advice do you give yourself before you walk into that door? I think the number one thing is is never lose sight of, of why you're there. If, if you go into any job thinking that you're doing it to make money or, or you're doing it just to, to have a job or whatever your reasons are, if you forget that it's really about the people that you want to help or that it's about the customer or about the client, then you're never really going to get to where you want to be. Um, and I think the people who don't, who aren't doing it for the right reasons, never really succeed. Not not to a, a large level. So we got a bit of a pregnant pause at the moment. You guys can hear me okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's you or me. <laughs> I don't know. We're sort of struggling a little bit. So, all right, I'm going to I'm going to take over a little bit. Yeah, you um, do that. Yeah, how many staff do you have on board at Coronas? Uh, in the property management team, we've got 75 at the moment. That's uh, property managers and BDMs. Wow. Um, we are growing at the moment, though. We, we're trialling a, a few different things where we have really great technology 
um, that we've implemented over the last 12 months. And so we're finding now that we can grow the capacity of, of number of properties managed per person within our department. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to ever lose the fact that we are there for the customer and we want to still be delivering that great service. So how do we go about doing that and allowing the technology to, um, to support us through that process? So even though we have that technology in place, our team is growing, to get to the next level, we need to really start to build our capabilities again. What we find as we've grown over those, that period of time is that you, you kind of hit a, a glass ceiling every couple of years and then it, it's, it's finding that way to, to smash through it again. And, and usually we find it needs more people to do that. So instead of um, going backwards and, and started, you know, ratioing our staff over that, uh, we've decided that we're going to move forward and put on some more BDMs, um, start with a few different growth strategies. We've never done commercial before. Uh, we haven't done um, a lot of B2B work before. So we're focusing on those areas and, and implementing BDMs to take ownership of, of that. Yeah, okay. just to explain B2B for everyone that's listening, that's business to business um, versus business to client. So um, a, a tip, get on LinkedIn because that's a prime way of getting business to business where you can bypass the gatekeepers if you want to go straight to a business. So if you're trying to network with a mortgage broker and you call the office, you basically get stuck to the, the person at reception saying they're busy, but LinkedIn allows you to get direct access to that business owner. But B2B is business. Yes. Thank uh, you. So um, moving on, um, you, you said that you've, you're going to have to bring in what about a thousand properties a year. Is that right? Just to remain stable? Yes. Yeah. We, we very, um, we have a very high level sales team and we do actively sell off our rent roll. So we never really, we, we uh, the leaders of our business all work very well together to make sure that all parts of the business thrive and, and that we're there to deliver on whatever the client leads whenever they need it. So I found um, in a lot of real estate agencies, their property manager gets very frustrated and annoyed when the sales team is selling off the rental properties. We actually embrace that. But we embrace it in a way with our culture where we can openly go to each other and say, well, this is fantastic. It's the best thing for the landlord. Um, let's get the property sold. But hey, you owe me one. You know, so you really need to get in there and uh, start handing over some, um, some more leads. Well, I think the properties are going to get sold. And a lot of agencies make the mistake they don't have the relationship and wonder why the, the property listing goes to uh, another brand altogether. So well yes. done for focusing on that. So how many BDMs do you have focused on growth? Uh, we've got 14 at the moment, wow. building to 20 at this point of time. Wow, that's huge. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's talk about your points of difference. And what, what are the, the biggest three points of difference that you've got when your BDM sit in front of a client and the client says, well, you know, we can deal with such and such agency down the road. Uh, wh why should we deal with Coronas? What's the difference that Coronas makes? What, 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 what do your BDMs uh, say or use? Yeah, I think we attack that in two different ways because, I, funnily enough, I think it's two separate things. There are certain things that an agency does that, that makes them all better than, than other agents and that makes them well or good operationally. But there's also a mindset that we have to change 
um, when we're in the room with the landlord. And I believe that the main things that landlords want is they, they want to know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Um, they want to know that you're going to put them first or at least, you know, care about your job and care about, um, care about them, most importantly. And what I think that's emerging over more and more over the last few years is that landlords, they want you to know your staff. They, they don't want you to just be talking to them about what you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to manage their property or manage their tenant. They're looking at this from an investment perspective. This is about their future, about their, their lives and, and what their, their legacy that they're setting up for their children. So um, if you're just in there talking about the day-to-day -day things you can do at, from a property management perspective, and let's face it, we all have those. You know, ours is the, you know, the footprint of the 24 officers, the, um, the fact that we're all owned so they get the benefit of the prospective tenants across all of those offices not just the one uh, we talk about our NPS score being at positive 48 as opposed to you know negative nine or whatever the industry is there uh, we talk about our landlord portal now 4.9 plus um, uh, you know marketing um, reviews so there's all those things that we talk about on a day-to-day -day basis, but what landlords really need to know is just that you're going to put their best interests first and that you're going to do what you say you're going to do and that you're going to be available to them and you understand that this is about their future, not to, you know, the landlords don't um, bring on tenants or get investment properties just so they can provide a home for a tenant. That's, that's, it's about their, their life and their, um, their future. And uh, I think the best BDMs that I know actually are very good at reading the clients. And I find that that is a skill that's not being taught as well as it should be with BDMs. And um, it, it, we all talk about um, it being about listening to the client. But I, I think some people don't actually really get that. I think they think that they're just going to sit there and not say anything so the landlord can have their say and then spend that whole time while they're supposedly listening, trying to work out what they're going to say next, as opposed to actually really listening to what their owner wants. And generally they'll give you signs and they'll talk about um, if they're frequently talking about wanting stability or knowing how much is going to go in their bank account at the end of the month. Well, you have to be able to read that person as being a, a security conscious person and, and be able to offer them solutions like, well, how about we do a fixed fee or how about we, um, you know, we've got the best program out there so that your trust accounting can be confident it's going to be in there on the same day, every single day and uh, or every single month. Um, there's lots of things that we can talk about in that regard. Wow, that, that's amazing. I think, Dennis, uh, I think it certainly can't be understated, the importance of being able to read people. And I, I you know, throw in, I know you're, uh, you're very good at that as a BDM. You can, you, this guy can walk into a room and, you know, survey the room immediately where people are at and read people very, very well. And it's a skill, I believe, absolutely. I think that to listen and then put together the pieces and come up with a tailored solution simply by listening. Um, yeah. is, is what's going to fit exactly what the client wants and that is yeah. going to build the trust really, really fast. Yeah, well, there's actually four types of listing, which is really interesting. And um, Jody touched on three of them there. I don't even know if she realised it. But, um, you know, the typical salesperson, um, the mistake that they make is if they ask a question, they're not actually listening to the person's response. If they don't say yes or no, right, there's a yes or no when you should 
be asking a question for the business when you're asking if they'll sign with you. And if they're going into an excuse, the, the recipient, the salesperson isn't actually listening to them. They're thinking of the next thing they're going to say. And that's the biggest mistake they make. Mm. You've actually got to have more of an empathetic listening where you're actually listening to the core ingredient of what they're saying. So you, then you know how to overcome that. Yes. You know, so, um, you know, actually, but a good BDM or a good salesperson will actually know that before they get to the appointment. And that's what we train on. You know, you yeah. need to know what the concerns of your clients are when you're first calling them. For example, if you're calling a, a client where their property sitting vacant, you know, their problem is they're not actually getting any money. Mm. Their issue is, and even if they say, oh, I'm happy with my current manager, well, you can turn around and then say, but they're actually not working at your best interest if it's empty at the moment you know, or, or, you know, you can move into it. So uh, I, it certainly puts a smile on my face listening to you talking about the two ears and the one mouth, right? Yes. How yeah. many times was I told that at school? <laughs> Dennis, you've got one mouth to talk, you've got two to listen, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's so true. It's about you ask the question and you listen twice. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I look, I think it's the same when you're competing on fees. I think, I think owners... They just want you to be honest. And I've always been very direct with our staff in saying that they should just be saying exactly how it is. Yep. You know, yes, I'd love to be able to compete on fees. But to do that, we would have to put in inexperienced people who aren't going to be looking after your best interest. And rather than compete on fees, I'd rather you pay me the full amount and then us go down the, the path of making sure that we save you money and actually make you money by having lower vacancy factors, by having, uh, you know, we've got buying power around maintenance. There's a lot of things that we have from a, a beneficial point of view for the owners, making sure properties are you know tenants move out on Mondays so they're not guaranteed the two-day vacancy there's so many things that we can do to add value and actually save them our fees a hundred times over wow that, that's yeah. awesome that, that's being an office that actually collects the rent because it doesn't matter what anyone's offering you if they're not collecting the rent they're not actually charging you a fee you know right. so there's so many an owner would rather their property sit vacant for a couple of days in knowing that you guys will secure a better quality tenant Absolutely. It's about the long term for them. And that's what yep. people are forgetting, I think, in, in that piece. Yeah. Mm. Let's, let's move on. And I just want to now go back to something that you mentioned before. And I think we need to spend some time there, Jody, talking about your net promoter score. Now, mm. a lot of people know what that is, but some people don't. So what is the net promoter score? How does that work? How do you establish what a score is? Um, okay, so how NPS works, it's used in a lot of different industries and it talks about promoters and detractors. So the way I, I deliver this to my team, because obviously it's um, with new people that are coming on, they generally, some people aren't familiar with it. And obviously when we did the rollout of this, it was instantly, you know, property managers particularly don't like change for starters. They also don't necessarily like being measured. It's not like, um, you know, salespeople like to see their, their name at the top of the scoreboard where property managers kind of like to just deliver a really good service and, and um, fly under the radar a little bit so talking about you know um, rating them and ranking them against each other and all of that um, was not uh, very popular in the beginning but when we worked through the process around that and there's obviously things we could have done better um, but we basically delivered it in a way that um, if you are uh, promoters rate you a 9 or a 10 
detractors are anything from six and under, and then the ones in the middle just think you're average, basically. So they either think you're a great, a nine or a 10, they think you're terrible, a six and under, or you know, you're average and um, in between. So we, we didn't want to be average. We certainly didn't want to be down the bottom. So we decided that we were going to be in the, in the nines and tens. Okay. And, um, just the next question. So what question were you asking where a person would rate nine, 10, six? What was the, the leading question? Of course. Um, it was basically how likely are you to refer your friends and family to Coronas? Yeah. Um, that was a, 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 the question that was recommended to us and we tossed around all sorts of different questions that we could use. Um, but at the end of the day, that was the one that really delivered on what we wanted. And it matters the most, isn't it? It's really, it's from the book, The Ultimate Question, isn't it? Um, yes. And uh, okay, so just moving on with this, Dennis, um, for the first time, we've added that question to our evaluations and we did that in phoenix when we had our uh, yeah a couple of weeks ago we did a one-day event in in arizona phoenix phoenix arizona and uh, i think we came out with a lot of nines and tens which is good to, for us to start measuring that way as well but let's just keep on going with this so firstly um jody what is the industry the property management industry average with the net promoter score what's normal out there uh, what's normal out there, and it changes a lot, when, uh, it, it's about negative nine, I think, at the moment. Uh, when we started, it was around negative 27, or we were certainly around that negative 27, which was horrifying. Mm. Um, and uh, But now we've managed to get to positive 48, but that's been a very long time coming. Um, it's been a, a, a big job. A Andrew, when he first said that we were going, the industry was negative 27 and we were going for positive 50, um, you can imagine my reaction to that. And, and I instantly thought that's impossible and we're never going to get there. And then he said, and I want you to include, you know, the tenants that are, are pulling their managements, we want you to include um, loss managements, we want you to include, uh, you know, after you've taken tenants' bond. And I went, well, that's just never going to happen. Uh, but here we are at Let's, uh, let's, let's get realistic on this because we know that we can't please everybody. No. Uh, you're going to have a, a tenant that did the wrong thing, you're yes. going to have to deduct from their bond, and they're going to get upset about it. Yes. And you're asking them to score you as well. Yes, we call it the ugly truth, and it really is that. Um, but what, what it does allow us to understand is when tenants are moving out of a property and they don't leave it in the way that you want them to leave it, you still have to handle that situation with dignity. You need to uh, treat them with respect. You need to explain, you know, why. And look, you're never going to be able to... There, there are some people that are just not going to be happy no matter what. But I believe it has made our, our team conscious about the tenants that we put into properties, um, knowing that they're going to be surveyed when those tenants are leaving. And that's not the only reason. You want them to be focused on finding the right tenant regardless, and, and they truly are that. Um, it's just another lever, I suppose, that makes them conscious of that. I mean, with so many staff, I, I think that's quite a challenge. But, okay, let, let's just go a little bit deeper. So um, with the, the net promoter score, you're obviously looking deeply at the complaints. What are the top three 
um, perhaps complaints or issues that you had to deal with that you had to turn around? What were the, the top three struggles? Uh, the top three struggles were that the first one was around mindset of our property managers. Um, I think the, the initial thing there was that they just felt like we were trying to catch them out and, and, um, and uh, make them feel like they weren't um, doing a good job where it wasn't that at all. Um, it was around just, uh, we, we have a philosophy around continual improvement and we would never expect for people to go um, from, uh, you know, stop to, to the end thing in five minutes. You know, it's just got to be that everyday continual improvement around what you can do better every day to make a better experience for the customer or for, the, for our landlords and our tenants. And it was really around um, having the mindset of focusing on tenants and making sure that we cared about them as much as we cared about our landlords, because I think that that has to be a very even piece and it's not all that way. We, we do always talk about, and lots of people do, I'm sure, about happy tenant, happy landlord, um, you know, happy wife, happy life. Um, it, it does go part and parcel. and um, But getting the property manager's mindset around that was difficult. Um, the second piece was we did it wrong in the beginning, to be honest. We, we went out there and we used a, a program that basically just told us um, what our score was. It didn't actually identify why people were unhappy. Oh. Um, so we then went down that path of um, wanting to understand why they weren't happy and then fixing their problems as we went along. Um, we made the decision very early and, and we realised that um, the only thing worse than surveying landlords all the time and, and landlords and tenants, they don't like being surveyed all the time, but they will happily do it and you can keep the engagement if you are fixing their problems. So the only thing worse than surveying them in their mind is surveying them and they're not fixing the problem. So where we actually went down that path of making sure that every single issue was resolved um, and that every single client and every person that um, completed a survey was contacted then that helped change the property manager's mindset in as much as, no, this is actually about just making things better for the client, not about, um, you know, showing me that I'm doing something wrong. And obviously when you get these, you know, these MPS scores, et cetera, it's, it's, it's then giving you tools that show potential clients of the satisfaction that your tenants have got, your owners have got, your tradespeople or whoever else you're using because they're using Coronas, um, they're happier and then they can become part of that so-called family as well. Yes. Well, that's become a beautiful benefit. It wasn't what mm. was there um, initially. It was more about, um, you know, solving problems and, and identifying at-risk customers and delivering the good service. We yep. actually then yep. did things like tie, um, tie the NPS score in with our rankings to the property managers. So, so our property manager at Coronas can't win um, can't win any awards unless they have a customer service level. So even if they're our, you know, best property manager on paper and they're not delivering an excellent customer service experience, then they can't win any awards. The same with our BDMs. They might get sign up the most, the highest number of managements, but if they don't have a certain level of NPS, then they can't win an award. They can't go to Centurion. They can't um, get the benefits of, of um, that we deliver as an agency. Oh, there you I, go. I think the ultimate question is just so important, isn't it? It really does summarise everything that we do is how well are they going to refer us to their 
to their to their friends and, and colleagues and so forth. But I do want to do a little bit more digging and go back a little bit. Mm. What were some of the top things that people were unhappy about with your service that you took on the challenge to change? Because there's a lot of offices out there that get complaints, but they don't do anything about it. You've taken the complaints, mm. go, okay, we're weak in this area, but what were the things that you uh, they're unhappy about that you changed and helped, of course, push your net promoter score right around. What were what were mm. a couple of those big things? Uh, well, it's whenever we do the the did the word cloud. You know, we did. I don't know if everyone's familiar with word clouds, but the program that we use allows us to to do that. And um, what was always coming through really strongly in the early days was um, was the communication. Um, it's always, it was always communication, one thing after another. And what we established, so we set out about, um, when we did NPS, we put them, so we survey our clients at different touch points. So we could identify whether it was around a maintenance situation, a lease renewal situation, you know, um, a, a vacancy and so on. And that way it enabled us to do a number of things. And firstly, it enabled us to do training around the areas that we were weak in. Maintenance was one of those areas. I think uh, maintenance is, a, is always a, um, a pain point for landlords. They tend to feel like you're um, not doing or not putting enough effort into finding the cheapest creditor or, or the, you know, and, and we could do some educational pieces around that to show that we didn't necessarily it wasn't in the owner's best interest to find the cheapest creditor. Um, it was around finding the right creditor to do the right job and then if they didn't do it properly that they would go back free of charge and, and you know, do it properly and, and rectify the situation. So, um, you know, we, we were able to do some educational pieces around you don't want a cheap and nasty creditor, so to speak. Um, or uh, the educational piece around our... Um, team where we could be talking to them around, well, you need to explain this a little bit better. And the communication thing, what we found, which was really interesting, and I think you'll find that in a lot of different agencies, property managers are very task-based. So they get in there and they rush around and they get the job done, but then they don't ring the landlord to tell them that they've done it. So here they are thinking they've done a wonderful job, they've got everything done, and then the landlord's on the other side going, I can't stand my property manager, they haven't, um, they haven't got the job done, when the whole time it was done. Um, so it was just let us do those tiny little things or add those extra um, steps in to contact the landlord to rectify that. Wow, that, that's great. I know that uh, the number one uh, complaint that owners have about property managers globally is lack of communication. And the number one complaint that tenants have about property managers globally is repairs and maintenance. So well done. Yeah. But, but thank you, thank you so much. Um, now, just before we finish and, and wrap this podcast up, Jody, um, you have a maintenance crew. Is that correct? Yes. So, while well, we have a maintenance division that we um, we have separate to to the business, we do smoke alarms, um, building and pest inspections. Um, it, what we found was we wanted to be able to deliver a really good service to landlords. And unfortunately, some of the um, 
the the creditors we had very little control over over creditors and the people who actually did the work so we wanted to be able to have buying power for our landlords and we wanted to be able to deliver a good service because if the creditors didn't go out there when they were meant to go out there then we it reflected badly on us as a business so we wanted to take a little bit more control of that and even though we subcontract to our creditors we do use um, creditors who've been with us for a really long time so that we can control that pricing point and we can control um, the level of service that's delivered to a degree. I mean, obviously, it's still the, the creditor's business, but yeah. for us, it was important that they put our owners um, first. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's and, really good. And very quickly, also, you guys have a training, training academy as well. We do. Um, look, I'm very passionate about training, and it's really important that we um, deliver a good service again in that regard. So I find that a lot of property managers um, will, the industry itself will teach you the um, paperwork that you have to fill out. They'll teach you all the logistics around um, being a property manager, but they don't actually really teach you how to be a property manager. So although we do the licensing through our training academy, we do more on the uh, what happens on a day-to-day -day basis and how can you be really good at that because we don't want... Um, we want the industry to be better as a whole. We want people mm. going out there and making sure that they... Um, they help the industry as opposed to detracting from the industry. And what you guys deliver in that regard as well from, uh, you know, with new business and, and continually um, getting better in that regard and training people to be the best that they can be is what we absolutely need in the industry. And we just, we just want to do our part in that too. Okay. Well, our focus, our focus is their future, right? So we, we all want the, the industry to be better because it's interesting. Australia really does do an amazing job of leading the way in property management globally, mm. you know, because it, it's so legislated. There's so much good competition. So you've got to be even better, you know. And um, I, I suppose one thing that we get, Darren, is a lot of people say to us, oh, but my opposition's coming to your training. You know what? So what? Let them all come. <laughs> you know, because it's only going to raise the bar around you in your yeah, area. Corona's you know. right there at the tippy top as well. And yeah. real yeah. privilege to to speak with you, Jody. Thank you so much for sharing. We also appreciate what you shared at our IGT 2019 conference. People are still talking about it, of course, talking about the, the lovely Jody Stainton as well and her uh, her session. And I just think you guys have got so much to offer us. Um, the Corona story is new to me. And so I'm um, really, you know, it's very refreshing uh, story to hear. Um, I know Dennis, you've been working with Coronas uh, a long time now. Um, mm. but I just want to say thank you very much. Now, Jody, if anyone's got any questions, um, how can they get in contact with you? What, what's your email address? Uh, the best way to contact me is at Jody, which is J-O-D-I at coronas.com.au. Okay, well done. So, Thank you very much, Dennis. Any, anything more you wanted to, to ask? No, I just love listening to the passion. I was just sitting here, just listening, listening and taking it in. And I think it's um, absolutely great. It's just awesome to know, especially I love the academy to me. It's just, um, it's brilliant. Because I remember I did my um, certificate at the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales. And, and you know, they had a salesperson teach you about prospecting and it was so basic it was so basic and then they teach you how to fill in forms and they teach you legislation and that was it 
Yes. That was it. They didn't even go through the back end of the agency agreements. It was just how to complete one. And, you know, the, the on-the-job stuff is just phenomenal. It yeah. really is. So um, I think it's brilliant. But, um, yeah, this is all about, knows why you guys lead the way. It's all about mm. putting people first, and that's really, yep. really important. So yeah. um, thank you so much, Jody, for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jody. Okay.